Hey everybody, welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. I'm Jeff Antoniak, and I want to get us stopping pushing buttons so much. And by that, I'm referring to on our instrument. Now, this video is for all instruments, but of course, if we play the saxophone or the trumpet or whatever, we're pushing buttons. That's what our job is, right? If you're playing the piano, you're pressing keys, or you're plucking strings, or you're hitting cymbals or whatever, but that's not really how we want to think about music. We're not operating machinery here. I mean, yes, we are, but the idea is we want to be a little deeper than that. So this is going to be for all instruments, and I want to give you a very, very tangible way to start getting inside the music and not just pushing buttons and hoping for the best. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. The adult amateurs, the semi-pros I'm talking to, and every pro out there, most of them anyway, went through a period like this of pushing buttons. Okay. Now, when you think about it, if we are playing written music, if we are playing, well, anything written, classical music, it doesn't really matter what the style is, at some point we know how the song goes. Perhaps we're playing Happy Birthday, or perhaps we're playing a Stevie Wonder song we know. And the notes are reminding us of what we're supposed to do. Hey, push these buttons at this time and the song will come out. Okay, so that's great. And that's very important stuff to do. That does do some ear training for us. When we start playing written music and we play something a thousand times over and over and over again, we start equating these buttons equal that sound. This voicing on the piano equals that sound. So that's what we want to get into. Not just playing a voicing and being sort of surprised. Oh, wow, yeah, I forgot what that sounded like. That's kind of cool. I should use that more. No, 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 that's, that's not where we want to be. Now, of course, as a novice, that has to be where we start, but that's not where we want to be. Now, here's the thing. When we start improvising jazz, we are making up the melody. We're not just trying to recreate a melody we know in our head. Happy birthday, the national anthem, whatever it is. When we're improvising, we are literally creating our own melody in the moment. So that's where the button pushing can get kind of bad. Perhaps you know the song is in C major, so you push buttons that someone has told you are good buttons to push when you're in C major. And so now we just get this meandering quality, and you know, perhaps if you're lucky, you get this parade of correct notes. But is it music? Well, no, we know it's not. And it was interesting, at Jazzwire this week, um, one of the players was talking about us like, you know, I'm, I know, yeah, I said, wow, you sound pretty good on this song. He had done a post for uh, about a hundred other people in that community. And, um, and he said, yeah, but I feel like I'm just sort of pushing buttons. And so we started talking about how do you get a little deeper? How do you get beyond just pushing buttons that you know are the right ones in the key? For some of us, we're going to be lucky to get to that place of pushing buttons and getting the right key. But for anybody at any level, I want to dig into this. So here's where I want to start, the minor third. Now we could start with rhythms, right? We do want to know what rhythms sound like. We can start there. We could start with voicings on the piano. We could start practically anywhere, but I want to start what most, what most of our instruments are going to be able to use, intervals, melodies, right? We're going to start with the minor third. Item number one, our buddy, the minor third. C up to E flat is an interval of a minor third. Now that sound is a really, really important sound in human history. Why did I pick the minor third? Why not the half step? Why not the major third? It's happier. Um, well, actually, 
a lot of uh, vocal teachers, in, I'm talking about elementary school, will teach the minor third first. There's something about it being an easy interval to sing, an easy interval to hear. Interestingly, I learned this when I was studying ethnomusicology, is around the world, in many cultures, cultures that never had the chance to meet when this was discovered, children will tease each other with a minor third interval. Na, 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 that minor third. All right, so that is a sound I want us to get used to so that when we're pushing these buttons, we know what's gonna come out. Yes, we could call this ear training, and I think that's not a bad thing to do. So working with minor thirds. Let's start there. And it's amazing that once you have five, six, seven little pieces, I know these couple intervals, I really know them. When I hear them, I know what they are. I can find them on my instrument. This rhythm that I can tap out, that's a syncopated 16th note, something or other. That's a quarter note triplet. When you have a little, you know, a little storage in your head, those file cabinets in your head, and if you have five or six or eight or 10 things in there, that is getting you away from being a button pusher and having actual music that you can access. This may sound kind of simple, but it's incredibly deep. And um, I know a lot of players, professionals, who still are developing this skill. Here is something I would love for you to practice. Item number two, this little minor third, I'm calling it jazz melody, it's just something we hear. It's a little fragment that people play. It shows up in songs all the time. It's a minor third, and then we fill it in with the scale. So I just played that little lick, that little melody around the circle of fourths and messed around with it a little bit. Now that definitely takes some brain power. That takes some finger power. That may take you two months to learn, but that is the kind of work you need to do. Learning this idea, that minor third, play it hundreds of times, thousands of times over the next few weeks and get that minor third in your ear. Maybe you know that sound, that teasing sound. I'm gonna play some other melodies for you right away. And it's like, oh, you've just never given it a label. You've seen octagons your whole life, but nobody ever told you what they were called. You never even took the time to count the sides, but you know it when you see it. Well, that's okay, right? So that's exactly what I'm suggesting we do. We name some of these sounds. We figure out where the buttons are, where the keys are, what that voicing is called, and commit it to memory. And that is where some serious uh, motion starts happening. And by the way, before I forget to uh, talk about it, speaking about serious motion, I've got some in-person, digging deeper, jazz wire events coming up, some workshops uh, in the next few months. In uh, early December, I'm gonna be in Toronto, Ontario, Waterloo, Ontario, up in Eastern Canada, uh, early December. And then in January, I'm gonna be in San Diego, California, and Anaheim, California, Pomona, technically. Um, so I'm smartening up and I'm heading south in January. So if you would like to attend one of those events, we have limited numbers. A couple of them are more than half sold out already. We literally have 15 or 20 spots for each of those. If you go to jazzwire.net slash events, you can find and sign up right there. So I would jump on it. These will probably be gone you know, within a week, 10 days. So I would love to work with you, do this kind of stuff in person. Okay, let's get back to it. So now look at item number three. 
on the sheet. And this is a song that you may recognize. George Gershwin. And inside that little melody is that minor third. The first two notes are the minor third. That's what I want you to key into. And then it turns out the first four notes are that little fragment that I suggested in item number two is so important. There it is. So that minor third. And then I'll sort of add a next little bit onto it. So many melodies use a minor third and a four, such as that little tease. Huh, so that na-na-na-na-na-na thing is, <laughs> interestingly, fascinating rhythm and 10 billion other songs. So get that sound in your head. You understand, we're getting away from pushing buttons and we're getting into, oh, I hear this thing and I know which buttons to push, as opposed to just pushing buttons and hoping for the best not the way to go. I can tell a drummer who is playing and they're just hitting stuff because they're tired of the thing they're hitting right now. Oh, wow, there's something over here. I haven't hit that in a while. Ding, 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 ding. Uh-uh, it's not how it's done. That's not how it's done. Let's look at the next item, number four. John Coltrane masterpiece of Love Supreme. Lots of the song is that. And what are the notes? A minor third up to the fourth. The same as that little teasing melody, the same as Fascinate and Rhythm. A minor third, and then we add that little fourth up there. I don't know if you realized it. Go listen to a Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Listen to the bass line. Listen to what's going on with that theme that they play and that they sing, that they chant. That's it. It's kind of that simple, right? Taking nothing away from what, it, what was behind that masterpiece and how they played these simple elements. But John Coltrane would not lie to you and say, you know, the elements were very, very uh, complicated. Simple, universal elements. Pretty cool, right? So getting this minor third into your playing. How do you do that? Play it a lot. Could you buy an ear training app? Definitely. Could you set your ear, ear training app to work you out on minor thirds? Of course you could. I'm suggesting melodies, right? That's what we do here. We play melodies. That's what drummers do. They support and interpret melodies. That's what the comping is doing, supporting melodies. So whatever instrument you're playing, getting to know this stuff, right? So I'm suggesting the minor third interval is the way to go. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play uh, Blue Bossa, a very, very simple tune. Um, you know, and, and whatever level you're at as a novice jazz player, this is when you could be playing. The semi-pros out there have played this song a million times. Keep coming back to it though. So I'm gonna play through this tune a little bit and I'm just gonna use some of these simple minor third melodies. I'm, this is not Jeff showing off time here. This is Jeff really highlighting what these minor thirds can sound like. And here's the interesting thing. There are minor thirds in songs that aren't just the root and the minor third. Getting a little, little uh, deep here for a second. In a minor chord, the fifth to the flat seventh is a minor third. 
Okay, so a minor third isn't always the root to the minor third. So, uh, so if that was a little complicated for you, this is the kind of stuff we do in Jazzwire all day in the green community. So yeah, I hope we see you there. Let me do a little playing for you here, Blue Bossa. No, not an award-winning solo, but I tell you what, as I was playing, I knew ahead of time what everything was going to sound like because it was based on something I knew. So remember the analogy about the octagon, right? If someone drew half of an octagon, three quarters of an octagon, most of us could fill in the rest. How would we know? It could be anything. Well, no, it couldn't be anything. It's an octagon, and we know where the other sides go. I can't tell you the angles of a side of an octagon. I could Google it, but I don't know. But I could do a pretty damn good job of drawing them in with my intuition and the sense that I've seen a million octagons in my life, right? So that is where we're getting to. So I want you to think about this idea of getting away from just sort of thinking about what's the right button to push next and start developing this deeper idea of what am I hearing? Hmm, okay. So this is the kind of work that we need to do back and forth. And I did get a very good question this week. Um, somebody wrote in, I've had the question a hundred times. Um, wow, I love the videos. There's 120 of them. And like, what's the right order? Where should I start? And the answer is, there's no answer to that. Um, I would be lying if I said start on video one or video 20. Why? Because I don't know you're playing. Um, if I knew how you played, I could immediately say, ah, you need to work on articulation, work a little bit on your harmonic sense, and uh, some phrasing would really help because I can tell you're getting lost in the chord changes. Uh, and then I could point you to the right place. That is what we do at Jazzwire all day long. Everyone that comes into Jazzwire, every one of the 200 people that we have there has sent in recordings. I've give them, given them a personal playing evaluation, let them know about their playing. So I'm glad you're enjoying the Digging Deeper videos. I'm glad you're showing up and watching this stuff. But the idea is which video is next? Jeff just did 10 good videos in a row. I can't do all 10. Which should I do? 
I can answer that for you, but I need to hear you play. We need to hang out together. So I hope I'll see you at jazzwire.net, and I definitely hope I'm going to see you at one of the Jazzwire Digging Deeper uh, workshops coming up in Toronto, Waterloo, San Diego, LA. If you can't make it, please tell a friend. Get yourself over to uh, the Jazzwire site and sign up. The spots are going to go fast. All right, have a great week. Take care.